Hello, my lovelies. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Victoria's podcast on murder, mystery, and mayhem. Today's podcast is about the Diane Schuler accident, a deadly crash that shocked America. Before we get into it, I'd just like to apologize for missing a few weeks on recording podcasts. I had so much going on in my life that I genuinely didn't get a chance. So not to further delay you anymore, let's get into the tragic story of Diane Schuler. On May the 26th, 2019, Diane Schuler, a cable company executive, drove her van down to the State Parkway in New York and collided with an SUV, killing eight people. The victims included herself, her daughter, her three nieces, and three men in the other vehicle. Mm-hmm. The accident was one of the deadliest in New York State history, raising questions about substance abuse and mental health, as well as the burden placed on mothers. In today's podcast, we will dive into the events leading up to the fateful tragedy, the investigation, and the impact on the families involved. So a family outing that turned into a living nightmare. Pictures from their last days together showed the family had a great time camping at Hunter Lake in New York. The sky was beautiful. The sky was blue. The weather was beautiful. A perfect weekend for boating, fishing and swimming. On the Monday of the accident, Diane, her husband Daniel and their two children and Diane's three nieces left their campsite to return home to Long Island. Diane had borrowed a 1997 Ford Windstar minivan that belonged to her brother Warren, whose daughters were riding along with Diane. Daniel drove a a pickup truck with the family dog. So at around 9.55, 9.56am, Diane stopped at McDonald's. The surveillance footage showed her acting normally, with no signs of any impairment at all. But around 11am, which is just barely over an hour, Diane called her brother Warren to inform him they were delayed by traffic. She continued driving. She entered attack i'm not american now so i'm not really sure i'm gonna ruin how i say this the tachonic state parkway and headed southbound into the northbound lane at 1 30 p.m countless of 911 calls reported a red minivan driving the wrong way on the highway and five minutes later bang the vehicle collided head-on with an suv carrying three men. It's it's an absolutely dreadful story. Guy Bastardi of Yonkers, his father Michael and family friend Danielle were killed in the accident. Diane's daughter Erin and her brother's children Emma, Alison and Katie also died. The only survivor 
was Diane's son, five-year-old Brian, who suffered a severe head injury, result resulting in nerve damage. After getting out of the hospital, he claimed to have no memory of the crash at all. But according to his aunt, he's repeatedly said, mommy's head hurt, she couldn't see, and I flew out of the car like Superman. Now, you have to remember, that's the child's version of events, what happened, and it makes perfect sense. Mommy's head was sore, she couldn't see, and I flew out the car, which obviously he did with the impact. An investigation started immediately as police tried to piece together what caused Diane to drive the wrong way down the highway. Witnesses saw her van swerving in and out of lanes on the New York state, but her driving was not described as erratic. Rather, it appeared as though her maneuvers were deliberate. Now, to be fair, <clears throat> if you happen to, at any stage in your life, by accident gone down the road the wrong way you're automatically going to swerve and maneuver not to hit other cars that's a given chillingly diane's brother told police that he spoke to her on the phone and heard the children crying in the car investigators also learned that just before the crash hans's eight-year-old daughter emma called her mother and said something's wrong with aunt diane Desperate motorists beeped their horns and flashed their lights, trying to stop her. Multiple drivers called 911 dispatchers to report the red minivan. Witnesses said Diane drove the wrong way at 70 miles per hour for nearly two miles and had a look of determination in her eyes. After the crash, witnesses helped pull Diane and the kids out of the burning vehicle which had rolled down a grassy embankment. On August 4th, 2009, the medical examiner's office released the toxicology results from Diane's autopsy. The results revealed that Diane had a blood alcohol level of 0.19%, more than twice the legal limit in New York, along with high levels of THC. Police also recovered a broken vodka bottle in the wreckage of the van. The toxicology report shocked her family as Diane was not known to have a drinking problem. The family believed there must be an explanation for the crash other than intoxication, perhaps a medical condition or some other unknown factor. Now I am aware of reading, I can't remember what the medical condition is caused, but some people have a medical condition where, now don't quote me on this because I'm not 100% right, but they eat certain products like wheat or something, and it actually turns to alcohol in their system. And if they get pulled over by the police, they will fail the breathalyzer for the simple reason that the toxicology reports will come back and say that they have alcohol in their system when they don't. It's a very rare illness, but there is people in the world that are known to have it. Diane's family believed that she must have had something like that, which you could say could have been true if the police didn't find broken vodka bottles in the car. So that's kind of a dead giveaway. When people found out of Diane's intoxication, it led to accusations against her and her family. Some people questioned how nobody 
could have noticed her being impaired prior to the crash. Others speculated on motives or psychological issues, even suggested that she was homicidal or suicidal and intentionally drove into oncoming traffic. <clears throat> Diane's family, including her husband, Daniel, insisted that there was a medical reason for the crash. They pointed to Diane's history of migraines and dental issues, suggesting she may have used alcohol and marijuana to relieve the pain from an abscess tooth. Now, I'm sure nearly all my listeners out there have had an abscess on their tooth at some stage, and the pain is unbearable. And I personally suffer from migraines too, and I have had abscesses on my teeth, and the pain is unbearable, but I have never went as far as to get alcohol to numb that pain or marijuana. Now, that's my personal point of view, but there was a time when I had wisdom teeth coming through and my wisdom teeth were impacted, so I needed them to be surgically removed. And while waiting to have them surgically removed, I remember one night the pain being so bad that this is how I thought it would work. I dipped my finger into whiskey. And I rubbed it on the tooth, thinking that the whiskey would help, and then it didn't. So I took a swig of whiskey and I just gargled it in my mouth and swirled it around and spat it out again. So I can safely say that I've never actually drank over the legal limit because of pain. But I do know that an abscess tooth is desperate, a migraine is desperate. And if you have children in a car and you're being severely irritated, who knows what you might take. But if my head was that bad, I would have pulled over, rang my husband and said, we need to switch places. I can't drive with these kids. CCTV footage would later support this interpretation, showing that Diane had stopped at a convenience store to buy painkillers. She was stressed and upset when she found out that they didn't have over-the-counter medication in stock. So if you're in pain, you would become extremely upset. My go to if I'm in severe pain like that would be norepinephrine and if they didn't have norepinephrine I mean I would take whatever they had but if they didn't have it and you're in that much pain especially with an abscess tooth or a migraine <clears throat> you would become upset I can understand that other people speculated that Diane had been struggling with mental health issues or maybe some sort of a psychiatric condition that contributed to her actions but no evidence has ever come forward to support that theory Diane's friends and family say she was a responsible, loving mother and wife with no history of substance abuse or mental health issues. Her behaviour up to the point of the accident appeared normal and did not raise any concerns among those around her. Forensic psychiatrist Dr. Harold has said Diane was suffering from an unresolved childhood trauma from her mother's abandonment which resulted in pathological perfectionism that made her life unbearable. Now, I always say nobody gets out of their childhood without being psychologically scared in one way or another. But I can't imagine what it's like for your mother to abandon you. And it's going to have effects on you. I'm a little bit of, not a little bit, I'm an extremely high achiever, so I constantly throw myself into a lot of things and I can cause a lot of stress and anxiety if you sign yourself up for too many things and you want to be one of the high achievers or one of the top 10 or top one really it can put a lot of stress on you but at the same time 
I always reassure myself that I'm doing the best I can. And if I fail, at least I tried. For Diane, if she had pathological perfectionism, she's constantly trying to be the perfect mother, the perfect wife, the perfect sister, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend. You're setting yourself up to fail because none of us are perfect. We're all perfect the way we are. But to achieve that type of perfectionism is not possible 24 hours a day, 360 days a year for the rest of your life. For people like Diane, they try harder and harder and they're never satisfied with being good enough. So in Diane's eyes, she was never a good enough mother, a good enough wife, a good enough sister, a good enough daughter, a good enough neighbor, a good enough friend. To have that pressure on you is desperate. Diane also struggled to forgive her mother for abandoning her. She compensated in the present for what she lost in the past. It's a, it's a very good diagnosis from a doctor, but again, we can never be 100% sure because Diane isn't here to tell us her side of the story. The tragic accident had a profound impact on everybody involved. Diane's sister-in-law, Jackie, lost all three of her children in the crash. She later said that Diane was one of the most responsible people she knew. People always ask how I feel about Diane. She said, you can't imagine how complex that question is. How does a person go from being like a sister to me, adored by my children and cherished by my husband, to being the one who ruined our entire lives? That's very well put. Because they have stated that she was responsible, she was a good mother, she was loving, she was caring. If somebody was responsible for the death of my children, I wouldn't say those things unless I was 100% sure that they were true. In addition to the grief and trauma of losing their loved ones, the Schuler family underwent intense public scrutiny and a lot of lawsuits filed by the family. Members of the victims, both against the Schuler estate and one another. So you have to remember other innocent People outside of the show, everybody that died in that crash was innocent, if you ask me. But outside of the Schuler family, other people died that were traveling in the other car. <clears throat> Diane's husband and his sister were determined to clear Diane's name. In 2011, Daniel asked that his wife's body be exhumed for further testing. He also sued the New York State and the father of the three nieces who were killed. The lawsuit alleged the highway was poorly marked and badly designed and that the Chevy Trailblazer Diane was driving malfunctioned. In 2014, four lawsuits brought against Diane and Daniel's estate were settled, though the terms were confidential. In most cases that are settled, it's for an undisclosed sum. In the aftermath of the 2009 crash, there has been increased attention to the role of alcohol in wrong way driving fatalities. Additionally, the roadway area has received over 100 wrong way and do not enter signs. I mean, that's crazy. Wrong way collisions occur relatively infrequently according accounting for only about 3% of accidents on high-speed divided highways. But they are much more likely to result in fatal and serious injuries than any other type of highway accidents. 
So there was a documentary made by HBO and it's still available on Netflix now in 2011. And it was called There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. It did a deep dive into the case, exploring Diane's childhood trauma and her psychological state. The series also featured her husband, Daniel, who insisted his wife was a good mother who would have never put their children at risk. Daniel said he believed a lack of road signs and a previously unidentified medical emergency caused Diane to drive erratically. I mean, none of us know because not any of us were in that car that day. Something drastically went wrong. I don't know if the pain was so unbearable. And you know, you feel like, so close to going home i just need to go home i just need to lie down the dark room whatever the case may be that she decided to keep on driving there's no doubt there was empty vodka bottles found in the car they were broken because of most likely the impact of the crash so i do believe she was drinking i do believe that she may have taken <clears throat> marijuana probably earlier on that day to help and ease the pain or the state of mind or anxiety or whatever she was going through. I don't believe Diane Schuler ever set out that day when she got into that car with her children and her three nieces. She ever intended to hurt anybody. I believe that she doesn't realize how much alcohol that she'd consumed. And I don't believe that she was a secret alcoholic that her husband and her brother and her sister-in-law didn't know about. Because when somebody's a secret alcoholic, yeah, they, they, a lot of people can hide it well. But you can't hide the smell of alcohol. And her husband would have found empty vodka bottles or whatever her choice of alcohol was hidden around the house or in bins wrapped up and things, you know, is something that they can't hide for very long. So I have sympathy with the Schuler family, but I also have sympathy with, for all the victims that died that day. So what about you? What are your feelings about Diane Schuler? Do you have sympathy for her situation and believe that the crash was a tragic accident? Do you believe she was wildly negligent and may have purposely killed herself and seven other people? Or do you feel it's a little bit of both and it's actually really complicated? I have sympathy for the situation. I have sympathy for the seven people who died that day. I have sympathy for the people who witnessed that who may have be suffering from post-traumatic stress to this day. I have sympathy for everybody that was involved in it. She was definitely, definitely negligent because you cannot get behind the wheel of the car if you've consumed alcohol. Even if you're under the limit, alcohol can still affect you. So I do believe that there was negligence, but I don't believe she intended. I don't even think she realized how much she had drank. So that's today's case about there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. For me, it's a very sad case. And I don't think we're ever going to get to the bottom of it. That's just my opinion. I'd like to thank you all for listening to my podcast and for bearing with me and still following me and still supporting me and listening to all podcasts that I have out there the last few weeks while I was dealing with a lot of family issues. So I'm back again. I have my microphone on, I have everything set up, so I'll definitely be doing more podcasts on a regular basis. I hope you all have an amazing weekend ahead. Love, Victoria.